Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. This is a podcast exclusive edition of the program. I'm delighted to welcome one of the co-founders of the Lincoln Project. She is the former New Hampshire GOP chair. Welcome, Jennifer Horn. Thank you so much. It's really uh, a thrill to be here with you. This is terrific. Jennifer, what do you think has been most persuasive in making the case for conscientious defection, if you will, from the Trump GOP in this critical 2020 election year? Well, frankly, Alex, the, um, the president himself makes the best argument for why you know, good, uh, good-hearted, principled Republicans should not stand with him in this election. Uh, and we saw such a, a clear example of that uh, at his rally last week in Tulsa. Um, the president, you know, I guess the, the thing is to look at the, the comparison between 2016 and 2020. In 2016, Donald Trump was running in a crowded primary field, had no um, record as an elected politician, certainly, um, and, and you know, was, you know, kind of fighting to fighting off the opposition and, and kind of getting everybody, all his base excited about the idea that he was going to be a fighter, he was an outsider, he was going to drain the swamp, all of that sort of thing. But those folks have had four years now to watch him, um, to watch him do the job, to watch him, you know, in progress. And his extraordinary failure, his weakness, his narcissism, the dangerous nature of how divisive he is has been on plain display for every American out there. Uh, and, and to the point about the rally, we saw it at the rally. He could not, I mean, he was going back to a, a lot of his old 2018 and 2016, you know, talking points. Um, they weren't, they weren't getting any traction from the crowd, you know, from that, by the way, very small crowd at the rally last weekend, um, trying to trying to stir up racism uh, and and take advantage of this 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 terrible moment in time that we are experiencing as a as a nation, and trying to use racial division to his advantage. Um, you know, it's just his entire time in office has been a path of one weakness after another, one failure after another. And I think that good Republicans can see that now um, and, and recognize that not only is that not even remotely what we as Republicans you know, used to stand for, at least what we're supposed to stand for, but it is certainly not something that we can build a future for our children and our grandchildren on. And, you know, you are from and led the Republican Party in a state that says live free or die. You know, that's, right. that's really the, the essence. And what Trump is doing incrementally is challenging that freedom. Um, Absolutely. And I'm wondering on the ground, boots on the ground in New Hampshire, a state that is fiercely independent, independent-minded, what is the attitude of voters who yearn for you know better days ahead? Um, how, how can you characterize the sort of old guard republicanism and, and right. how it's if, if it's still alive at all? 
Well, a few things on that. I mean, first, first of all, you know, talking about our, the, the live free or die state of New Hampshire, um, you know, New Hampshire is a, a fascinating state politically where everybody, regardless of whether or not they are registered Republicans, registered Democrats or independents, what we call, um, um, uh, you know, a non, you know, what, you know, uh, we don't register as an independent. You just don't choose a party in New Hampshire. Um, all of our voters have this really strong sense of independence. They all see themselves as being independent thinkers, independent voters, even if they're related, you know, even if they're registered at, in a party. So, and I would also point out as kind of a base for this, a foundation for this answer, is that Donald Trump lost New Hampshire in 2016. And it's kind of a point of pride for him that he, need, that he needs to win it in 2020, in addition to uh, the necessity of, of winning New Hampshire in order to, to get the 270 he needs in the Electoral College. Um, he's not gonna win New Hampshire. He's gonna lose, he's gonna lose that state. And in large part, it's because our voters, again, regardless of party affiliation, have a really clear sense of what you know liberty is, of what freedom is, but also what the foundational vision of our country is. You know, Donald Trump, you know, campaigned on the idea of draining the swamp. He went to Washington and he made the swamp deeper. You know, he is probably the truly the most corrupt president that we have seen in modern times. And, and so the idea that uh, he's somehow some crusader for freedom or a crusader for liberty, as he is caging you know, immigrant children, um, as he is fighting to overturn uh, rights to equality for the LGBTQ community, um, you know, all these steps that he has taken as president are so diametrically opposed to the idea of freedom and liberty um, that it's it, you know it, it in New Hampshire certainly you know you know people get their their spine gets very straight and they're you know ready to take on that fight but I don't think it's just New Hampshire I think it's across the country and I think that people see it and I think his his um, his total um, uh, failure at managing the the pandemic has exposed him in a way that now people across the country are feeling his failures in a very personal manner. Um, and I think, you know, I think I'm not gonna make any predictions for election day, um, but I, I am confident it is, you know, as far as how many states, how many electoral votes, but I am confident it is not going to go the way Donald Trump is hoping it will. What about the Republicans in Congress, specifically the US Senate, um, you know, which has been culpable in the com complicity um, to, to not challenge right. Donald Trump. And you see it now playing out in the judiciary with judges that he's appointed to the, to the circuit courts who are using his authoritarian fantasy as sort of their operating principle. There was this mythology around judges to conservatives or so-called conservatives who believed that Trump's appointees would rule independent of right. what they were seeing from the executive branch, but that turned out not to be true. Right. It's the the entire, you know, frankly, the the entire um, Trump presidency is cloaked in mythology. You know, it's it is that's a great word for it. It the idea of Donald Trump as president is is a myth. 
you know, he is, uh, he, he has a, a vision of himself that is simply not connected to reality. And the, the analogy I often use is that he's like a little child pretending to be Spider-Man in his underoos, you know, with his, you know, jumping around, you know, from the bed onto the chair, under the dress, dresser, trying, you know, pretending to be um, some superhero that he's not. Donald Trump uh, had, you know, wants to, is constantly trying to present himself as some sort of a strong man, whether it's as, for, you know, trying to glorify his accomplishments with, with getting judges uh, appointed, um, engaging with people like Putin and, you know, North Korea and China and um, you know, taking on the Democrats. You know, he's he's got this this vision of himself that, that he tries to put there as a strong man. The, the truth is he is a weak person. We talk. We can talk all the time about his narcissism and his his lack of intellectual curiosity. You know what a very stable genius he is, um, and all these other things. But the truth is, he's just weak. He's weak personally. He's weak intellectually, and he's weak as president. And um, and and I think you know you you started that question with conversation uh, with something about the Republicans in the Senate. Um, the, what is extraordinary to me is that maybe the only group of people who are as weak as Donald Trump appear to be the re elected senators, uh, Republicans in the U.S. Senate. They are the one body of human beings who had the authority and the ability to keep Donald Trump in check to hold him accountable when he wanted to put children in cages, to push back on the kind of judges uh, that he uh, you know, was, was bringing forward, to stop him and to counsel him and to, to publicly um, you know, hold him accountable when he went to the, all the way to the Supreme Court to try to overturn protections for Americans that deserve the same equal rights that everybody else has. It's the Republicans in the Senate um, who have made Donald Trump and the destructive, dangerous nature of his presidency possible. So when Mitch McConnell comes out there and wants to start, uh, you know, criticizing Nancy Pelosi or um, Democrats or Republicans who aren't supporting Donald Trump, he has zero credibility, you know, none. So, you know, it, and that's one of the things that the Lincoln Project that was really important to us to to you know kind of embrace and include in what we're doing from the beginning that we're not we're here to defeat Donald Trump and Trumpism. If you are an elected Republican who has not stood up to this president and has not publicly put your voice on what is right for our country and what is what is you know truly in line with the the vision of Abraham Lincoln then you have enabled trumpism and you also need to go so as a as a project as an effort we're not just focused on making sure Donald Trump does not get a second term into office we're focused on making sure that those people who are up for re-election who have made it possible for Donald Trump to be what he is that they have to go too they have to go and you said responsibility. They they had the both the authority and responsibility to do something and didn't. Right. The the element of it, Jennifer, that's not mythology is that you have folks on the bench now who are the vestige of this authoritarianism mm -hmm. or, or sort of wannabe autocracy and the creation of Trumpism can can certainly be 
resoundingly defeated. Uh, you at the Lincoln Project put up your first ad in support of a Democratic Senate candidate, Steve Bullock in Montana. It can be defeated by folks like Bullock and Hickenlooper and, of course, Joe Biden. But what do you think you do long term about judges who are not myth? They are actually on the bench and they were appointed to and sort of connected to this authoritarian bromance, um, this sort of alliance with with this un-American and, and kind of lethal poison that Trump injected into the body politic and now into the judiciary. Right. What do you the, do yeah, I, you know what? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't have a great answer for that in this moment. Um, I think that there, judges, you know, obviously are, they have to, they must remain an independent branch of government. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they can't be influenced by public sentiment uh, in the way that they see the world, you know, whether it's it's specific one specific case or another. Um, but but what I what I am encouraged by is that I I do think that um, there is the possibility, and and maybe I'm, you know, being all all you know rainbows and unicorns here, but I do think that there is the possibility that some of these judges will over time come to you know fill what is their proper and constitutional role. And we saw that uh, in the recent um, decision out of, out of the Supreme Court with Gorsuch. And so I think that, um, you know, that, that, is, that is one of the great um, failures, I guess, of this administration. One of, the, one, of, one, one of those things that is going to live with us for generations to come. And as a result, I think it's something that the Republican Party is going to be held accountable to for a very long time by voters across the country. When, when voters in New Hampshire hear in, in the breaking news over these, these past days that the Trump administration wants to end federal funding and support mm -hmm. for COVID testing, you know, do you think right. that that fact, which I would say is a treasonous fact, um, will resonate with folks who maybe they're still in the Trump column? You know, there's this group that is most certainly not after 2018 and participated in, in the retaking of the House. Mm -hmm. But those folks who are still not convinced that Trump is actively damaging the health of their communities um, right. Something like this, you know, if something like this is not going to uh, dissuade a well, potential Trump voter, I don't know whatever or what, even with the most compelling um, Lincoln Project education or seminar, I don't know what will, if literally you will respond to the ending of uh, the federal mandated ending of COVID testing by still voting for Trump. I mean, I don't know what, what could help you. And think about how many times in the last three and a half or four years you've said, well, if this doesn't do it, what will, right. you know, like you, it is so outrageous. Every, each step is, is so more outrageous than the, than the previous one. But to some degree, I do think that uh, there are some people out there who have sort of become numb to it up until this point where it's like, oh, it's just Trump. It's just, it's just Trump. You know, what are, what are we going to do? That's the way he is. That's how he tweets. That's how what he says. He's just, but look at all of these, these good things that, you know, people perceive he's done for the economy or something. And so what I think is about different now at this moment, when he takes a step like this, you know, ending and people, you know, they, they need to think about what that means. The president of the United States 
wants to take away the one to only tool we have right now to protect the health and well-being of our communities, which means he wants to take away the only tool you have as a mother or a father or a grandparent to protect yourselves and your children. That that's what he from a disease that has the potential to be extremely deadly. At a, at a moment where over 120,000 Americans have lost their lives in such a short period of, to, of time to this, so I, I think um, I think it could, I think it is going to be different. I think it could be different this time. That this isn't going to be one of those things where it just becomes just another outrageous um, action from from this president. Um, and and I do think that there's an opportunity um, to you know to use a, a a kind word you know maybe to educate people on what that means what the consequences of that is from our our role at the Lincoln Project that we will have the opportunity to magnify for the American people what the consequences of that kind of an action really is. Um, but it, but it truly right, right. goes it goes to the heart of who this president is. I mean he is a man who will do anything and hurt anyone to preserve his own authority and power and his you know, little political kingdom. It, it is, no matter how you feel about any previous president, this president is different. He is worse. He is more dangerous. Um, and I, I, and I think, you know, your point about the testing is the perfect, you know, example of that people are going to die because Donald Trump doesn't want the world to know how many people might test positive. It is stark in every sense. It is really dystopian implies that there's some element of, of fiction. It's, it is our national nightmare. And right. you at the Lincoln Project are admirably working to rescue this union from that nightmare. Uh, you know, the, I do wonder if folks who are personally touched by this, and that will be a majority of Americans, um, friends or family, um, will, will differentiate this from, you know, that's Trump, that's Trumpism, or the character or, or persona um, that, you know, if, if you are literally costing human lives, right. um, that is the stuff of like genocide and it's alarming to the extent that you would want to believe that not only in New Hampshire, but across the country, there will be a huge consensus for Biden that will be, you know, unmistakable in November. Well, you know, at the Lincoln Project, we've said from the beginning that, you know, we, we came to be in December of last year, just as the impeachment trial was kind of getting in the whole impeachment thing was happening. And um, I can remember at the time, you know, being asked by the press, is this about impeaching the president? You guys want to see? And, and we said right away, no, this isn't about impeaching the president. Do we think he is impeached, should be impeached? Yeah. Do we think he will be? No. Um, and, and again, a great um, political and, and, and constitutional failure of Republicans in the Senate that he was not. But um, our, 
our purpose has always been, our goal has always been to defeat Donald Trump at the ballot box in November, that the American people will come together and be united, not as Republicans or Democrats or independents or former Republicans or anything else, but that the American people will come together as Americans in this one critical moment in our nation's history and do what is absolutely necessary to preserve the Republic. And, and so that it's Joe Biden this year, you know, who the Republican that the Democrats have put forward, I think is a good thing. I think that makes it, they have put forward a candidate that, um, that people across the political spectrum can look at and find something that they can invest in and feel good about. And um, I think that in Joe Biden, we see somebody that, um, you know, other than the, the most, the most, you know, um, you know, ardent of of, of uh, Donald Trump's base, a, a Republican can look at Joe Biden and see his record and see his, uh, you know, what he what he has accomplished, how he has been, you know, how he has worked uh, over the over the decades, and they see somebody that they know will put us onto a calm, rational path back to some level of normalcy. So four years from now. Republicans, nobody's saying you have to become a Democrat and vote Democrat the rest of your life. This is a a singular moment in history where we need people to set aside their partisan affiliation and come together and do the right thing. The day after the election, we can all return to those debates about our differences in policy and philosophy and things like that. But for this moment, for this one time, we need people to step up together and do the right thing. And as a final question, Jennifer, if you go to Keene, if you, if you go to Manchester, if you go to the town hall or better yet, the, the diner, you know, when, when we're not socially distancing, when, when, you know, there's a sense of normalcy. But let's just say we, when you go to the kitchen sink in, in uh, New Hampshire right now, um, do you think that, there is the possibility of a transcendent um, vote that would would take a state like New Hampshire that is ordinarily considered a toss-up, a state with the Republican governor, and that there will be such upheaval that you could see your state going, you know, 60 percent um, in favor of of uh, Joe Biden. The Democrat in this particular election, as you described, with this right. particular importance to preserve checks and balances, the rule of law, that is not a normal partisan question. Is it right. possible that, that, that he could break the, what has been this kind of incessant logjam of very deep division and find a healthy majority, if not you know, a supermajority? It seems a little fantastic, but I just wanted right. to put the question direct well, to you. It is a little fantastic, but it certainly it's possible. Yeah, you know, it's possible. It's what's more important um, to me than than that he win a supermajority in any one state is that we just see a um, a clear and overwhelming message across every state. You know that 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 it the mo- I believe that the most important thing for the strength and and unity um, and continuation. Uh, you know, of the American Republic is that we need a loud, clear, unified American voice 
on election day to say that we reject Donald Trump and everything he stands for. That if we are going to preserve the constitutional foundation of who we are as a people, you know, as a nation, we, 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 the people must come together. Um, and it's, it's rare that that happens, but it, throughout our history, it has happened just when we needed it most, just when, just when our, our country, you know, was, was in a critical moment and, and needed the people to stand together. I think we're going to see that, but it's not going to be easy. It's not assured. No one should feel, um, you know, nobody should feel like the, the fight is over. It's so obvious that he's going to, that, you know, Trump will lose. It's not the case at all. There's an extraordinary amount of work to be done. Um, people can go to lincolnproject.us and become part of that effort. Um, you know, I'm on Twitter at, at NH Jennifer and the Lincoln Project is on Twitter. And we need people, uh, we need just the broadest possible coalition of Americans to come together uh, in November and, uh, and just send the clearest possible message that we reject whether it's the re Republican, Democrat, or anything else, that we reject Donald Trump. Jennifer Horn, co-founder of the Lincoln Project, thank you for your service. Um, we really admire uh, the, the substance and, and valor of, of what you and your colleagues are doing at the Lincoln Project. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure to be here. I hope we get to do this again. Thank you.